0: Hi, everyone. This is Mind Alchemy. Um, This podcast is aimed to have conversations aimed to shift perception, transforming our pain into our greatest ally and to empower our soul. Um, Today on my guest... Um, list I have Chiquita Kodako. She has been my childhood friend um, and she's extremely passionate about humanitarian, all things humanitarian, human rights. Um, She actually has her own organization that she's working towards which we'll introduce later in the show. Um, So Chiquita, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Sawamir, thank you so much for having me
0: here. It's so exciting and I'm really honored to be on your show. Me too. Um, thank you so much. Um, so today's topic, we collectively decided to do on the art of giving. And the reason why I chose to do um, this topic with Chiquita was because, um, because of her passion um, for giving. And I want to start out with a question on um, in terms of giving, you know, we know that the world now is becoming a more selfish world. Um, And why do you think that uh, so many people have forgotten the art of giving um, and being humanitarian uh, as it to just being voluntary thing to do just, you know, on the side? Uh, What has contributed to this?
1: Yeah, this is a really good question. So first, uh, I would like to shed some light on the art of giving back. So the Time magazine wrote an article called The Secret to Happiness is Helping Others. This is an article I would recommend to your listeners to have a look at. The article highlights that the greatest thinkers have mentioned true happiness can be found in helping others and serving the community. This idea of service and has been frequently emphasized for generations. There is a Chinese quote stating, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherent a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. Similarly, the Nobel Peace Prize recipient, Muhammad Yunus, said, making money is happiness. Making other people happy is a super happiness. How true of those words. I really like those two quotes. Absolutely. We can look to science to prove that giving uh, can generate happiness as well. Uh, Through fMRI technology, we now know that the giving... Uh, Or art of giving activates the same parts of the brain that are stimulated by food and sex, for example, it activates endorphins in the brain and channels pleasure. Considering all this information, it makes me think that the art of giving back was and still is vital to the fabric of our being, but we are gradually drifting away from it. There are Uh some reasons why. Uh So the first, in my opinion, would be the world we live in today perpetuates competition. Many of us, albeit subconsciously, have adopted or fostered this idea that we live in a state of lack and not in a state of abundance. Hence, there are not many opportunities out there for all of us. This is not true. There are an abundance of opportunities, but there is a grave polarization in the distribution of those opportunities because of unconscious implicit biases and prejudice within our societal institutions. This leads me to the second point, which is individuals that want to give back to the community and would like to do it full time are not necessarily supported either financially or otherwise to do it. For example, whether it is in New Zealand or Canada or elsewhere in the world, most opportunities to give back are voluntary in that you're not remunerated for your time. Mm-hmm. In the climate we live in, today, where the COVID-19 pandemic has stripped away opportunities for paid employment, we are seeing individuals from certain sections of society struggling to provide for their families. When this is our current reality, it is not only difficult, but also unfair to expect people to choose between putting bread on the table and taking up voluntary work to serve the community. But do not get me wrong. Voluntary work is great. It's important. But when you look at large organizations that are doing incredible and important work to promote human rights and uplifting vulnerable communities, you will often find that the opportunities they offer to work in this space require individuals to work for several months full time and unpaid. This structure bars passionate change makers who are often from marginalized sections of society from gaining access to these opportunities. This, in effect, enables further polarization in society because you do not have the representation you need and require in these spaces. Uh, So here I would like to mention um, an action that uh, Prime Minister of Canada, uh, Justin Trudeau, recently announced uh, that in the wake of the um, uh, pandemic, he would be launching a grant that would uh, provide a one-time payment of up to $5,000 for volunteering in the community. For every 100 hours spent, a student will receive $1,000. This would ensure that young people are actively involved in rebuilding society, all the while receiving valuable work experience. However, I think this is just the first step. That Uh leads me to my third point, um, which is also my last point in answering your first question. Uh, humanitarian work can be emotionally taxing. The structures that exist in the world today often make it laborious and sometimes even impossible to serve the community, in which case giving back does not become something that makes you inherently happy, but instead makes you feel stressed, depleted, and taken advantage of.
0: Right. That's brilliant. That's well put. Um, Going deeper into um, talking about... um, you know, activism and human rights, especially in times of today, um, when there's, um, you know, rallies with Black Lives Matter, Uh, there's particularly, um, you know, a crowd which people have talked about the influencers who are um, posting just for the sake of it, what we would call performative activism. Uh, So what do you uh, have to say about that, um, you know, activism done to merely just to fit in? Um, what, uh, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, this is a really interesting question. Um, so like you mentioned, um, performative activism is refers to activism that increases an individual's social capital as opposed to their devotion to a particular cause. The way I see it is performative activism plays into social and political optics. An example of this is a person living in a mansion Owning branded shoes and bags doesn't necessarily have to be rich. He right. or he could be one who has a massive loan and on the basis of that loan, they've been able to purchase all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, speaking, um, sometimes individuals have the tendency to succumb to performative activism and by doing so tend to conduct themselves in a particular manner, not because it is the right thing to do, but because it is the in thing to do, like you said. Right. So the question... How can we turn performative activism into real activism and become true allies to, like you mentioned, our um, uh, African-American counterparts uh, and uh, other individuals who are from uh, marginalized uh, communities? So I think the first step here is educate yourself about the issues at hand. You can do this by reading books from diverse authors, watching documentaries and movies that display an experience that is different to your own. This is extremely important because mm-hmm. you yeah. to get out of your bubble. Uh, pun intended or not intended depends on your viewers how they look <laughs> at it. But better yet, uh, you can talk uh, to people who do not necessarily share your opinion uh, of on certain views. Right. This interaction this debate, this discussion is extremely important, especially in these precarious and unprecedented times. However, the idea here is not to convert someone else's opinion, but solely to develop your own understanding about issues at hand and open your mind to a diversity of thought, opinions, and experience. There is this incredible quote that I would like to um, share with your uh, listeners. Sure. It goes how hard it is to change yourself and you'll understand what little chance you have in trying to change others. Uh So this process or the start of this process anyway is mostly about self-education. So you need to start with yourself as opposed to I'm looking to educate the person in front of me or my friend or my dad or whoever it is. Uh So the second step would then be You must be consistent in this endeavor. It is not going to be easy. Let's face it. You are bound to make mistakes. Irrespective, you have to make a consistent effort. And this requires a certain degree of commitment, right? Um, Because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall down. You'll have to get back up. You'll have to educate yourself again. And times Uh are changing. So things in society are currently extremely dynamic. And so you'll have to keep educating yourself. You may keep making mistakes, but you have to keep learning from them as well. So this is where your networks, like your friends, family, professors, colleagues at work, uh, community members even, will have to lead with empathy, right? Uh, Leading with empathy is the key point here. Rather than shutting down the conversation or resorting to ad hominem attacks, which has become the norm these days, it is best to explain your point of view and, better yet, your experiences that support your views. Um, As a community, we must provide the others the room to grow and to learn from their mistakes. Otherwise, we cannot expect change. We can only expect complacency. Mm -hmm. And I think the third is be critical and ask questions, uh, questions that um, that you know uh, you will ask to the media, for example, for whatever they're publishing on their platforms or what Great. you're reading in a. book or in a newspaper or in an article, uh, where are the resources? Uh, you know, find the primary resources if you have time and question those. Look at, um, uh, talk to people, talk to your professors, question them in class uh, over the things you're reading in your textbooks. Uh, Fact Checking here is important, especially before you repost them on your social media.
0: That's very true. And I think what I'm gathering from your response is to dig deeper, to not just, you know, fall for the clickbait or to just, you know, post one, uh, you know, picture on Instagram, but really just to dig deeper and gain knowledge about what really, um, you know, a cause is about before posting things just to, um, I guess, fit in. Um, I think that was a brilliant, brilliant um You know, feedback. Um, And so, in terms of the world heading towards more of um, social media and, um, you know, in times of Instagram and Facebook, and, you know, there's a whole wave of narcissism that's, um, you know, I guess, increasing. or, like a me mindset, um, how do you think we can become less uh, self absorbed? Because even with people trying to fit in, um, it is just merely to get that kind of external validation, you know, rather than really trying to get to know, like you said, about the actual cause, dig deeper, ask the professors. Um, uh, so, uh, what do you have to say about that?
1: Yeah, this is a good question as well. Um, So I would rather uh, use the term the me mentality or me mindset as opposed to narcissism because I think narcissism is quite a heavy duty word here. And I think most of us are doing the best that we can under the conditions um, that we are provided or we have. Mm -hmm. So um, Uh I guess in that sense, uh, I would like to say that you have to start by looking within like I've answered in your previous question. So this requires a huge degree of self-reflection and introspection. But many of us are afraid to do that. We do not want to acknowledge how we feel. Uh, We do not want to acknowledge uh, or recognize our flaws. And so we numb our feelings and we ignore all the traits that make us unique. And so I think the first here is really to, like you said, dig deeper and look to yourself Figure out um, who you are as a person first. And once you are sort of confident in your reality, in yourself, in your abilities, regardless of what your flaws are, you will find that you will sort of uh, align or um, come to contact with people that are of similar views and then people who are open minded and who will want to educate um, themselves. And hopefully, you will educate yourself in the process as well. Here, I would also like to talk a little bit about, um, you know, social ascription versus self-ascription. And this is a really interesting concept that I learned not too long ago. So basically, self-ascription for your listeners is how you identify yourself. So how does a person identify themselves? Like you could look to what is known as the iceberg theory. So you would say um, there is a certain part of yourself that you show others or the others can, can see. Mm. But then there's deeper underneath the surface, like your values, your upbringing, your experience, right, which most people (laughs) um, who are in front of you are not really going to see that like your friends, if they're spending a lot of time with you, then they may have sort of an idea, but maybe not the entire picture. uh, Because a lot of us tend to hide, you know, certain parts of ourselves, subconsciously or unconsciously. So it's really important to realize who we are first. And then, of course, there's the way in which um, society views us, right? And uh, Very the true. The way in which society views us could be sort of just, you know, institutional structures, for example, and uh, quotas. Um, it could be also our prejudices, prejudices from other communities, what mm-hmm. we think the yeah. other looks like. So, there are all these um, dynamics that shape how we behave in society, and so mm-hmm. that's why um, it's not really about you know changing somebody else's opinion, but more so educating yourself because that in itself is a task on its own. So of course, when you have sort of done that for yourself and you have self-reflected or introspected, Uh you then sort of are Uh leading as opposed to sort of dictating. So you want to sort of lead in that sense by starting with yourself, working on yourself and hopefully the people around you who are inspired by your actions will follow suit. So that's one really good way of um, sort of stepping out of uh, me mentality.
0: That's very brilliant. And I think that's what calls for a leader is um, to not follow the herd mentality and to really just um, figure out our own subconscious. That's interesting. I think um, when you uh, talked about the um, the parts that we show to the world, it reminded me of that uh, Japanese, um, you know, those four faces, the first face you show to the world, the second face you show to your close friends. Um, and then the third face is just for you. Um, your yes. truest reflection so I think that's very true um, and yeah absolutely we should deep dig deep into the subconscious um, in terms of uh, for you why is it important to uh, stand for the causes in the modern world today um, you know there's so many issues going on I could even you know starting from January all the way to July right now there's so much that has happened um, so uh, what's your take on that
1: yeah uh i think it's really important uh to be involved in your community in some capacity uh, of course you know the times we live in like i mentioned they're precarious and unprecedented times right. so we can't expect people to do this full-time if they have to choose uh between putting bread on the table and serving the community but definitely be involved and it could be something as small as talking to your family members uh, Mm -hmm. at the dinner table and uh, sharing what you learned today. It could be about, you know, correcting your colleague who um, has certain stereotypical views about other communities. Um, It could be by even recommending a film, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that shows a different kind of experience to somebody who would otherwise not necessarily see it. So you could, there are these small things that you can do, uh, Uh, that can really encourage other people to be involved and educate. Um, And so education is a really powerful tool here to uh, change uh, the community. And you don't have to change the world as in, you know, I'm going out there and I'm going to change the world, but you start small. Hopefully there will be ripple effects that follow. So um, start with, with your family. I think family is the basic unit of society. So start mm-hmm. with them, talk to them. Um, and the reason this is important is because we all are connected, right? Indirectly, directly, it doesn't matter, but we all are connected. So if you see that, for example, in the case of George Floyd, um, when we, uh, the videos were released, People all over the world were seeing what, what happens to the African-American community in the United States of America and, of course, in other countries as well. Uh-huh. And so we connected with that. We connected with that. And uh, we connected with the grief. We connected with the anger, the frustration. And, you know, this is if um, the African community is affected in this way, that means we all are affected in this way. And so we all must stand up and say something about it because this is right. not correct. Uh, And that takes a lot of courage. Um, Courage, why? Because oftentimes you'll find that uh, people who are trying to do the right thing are not applauded, right? Then they have to do things that are right, um, even when people are not looking and not applauding for you. So Mm -hmm. I would say uh, this is difficult, yes, but it's the right thing to do. And it's the important thing to do. Nobody said it was going to be easy. So you start small. Uh, you start by educating yourself. You have those important conversations. Don't shy away from them, especially with your friends, family, and colleagues. And then hopefully through a ripple effect, you'll find small changes, which will invariably uh, and inevitably lead to bigger bigger changes. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that reflecting in in larger spaces like uh, in in legislation and in policy and law and all those areas in journalism, hopefully. So again, these things need to start at a grassroots level, and um, they also need to be at the top as well, from both sides, and hopefully it'll come and meet in the middle. But it all starts with us, I think, and getting involved in these causes.
0: Absolutely. And I think you're right about um, starting small with just a family unit, because I think when people think of the word um, humanitarianism, they think it's like changing the world and just, you know, donating tons of money, um, you know, and I've seen like one of my friends, she donated her hair um, for cancer as a form of charity. So for those people who are, I guess, not having the monetary um, resources, they could simply just do something as simple as that right um and then there's also uh the other kind of humanitarians which um they're you know serving people but it's done with like all the cameras and everything you know posted on tv so it's a very interesting time that we're living in right now um but i wanted to ask you um about your own personal experience um how has giving back to the community added value to your life? Um, And what are some of the benefits of leading a humanitarian life? Um, You know, I know that you're hugely passionate about your organization. So um, yeah, if you would like to share something about that.
1: Of course. So, um, well, I think I get my uh, sense of altruism from my parents. I've seen my parents constantly working to serve the community. Uh, from a very young age. So that sort of fostered the spirit of giving back um, to the community and selflessly giving back. So there must be no expectation that you will receive something in return of your service. And I know I may sound a little hypocritical here if I'm asking for uh, jobs in human rights, but um, that is a need, right? Because if you're expecting people to work uh, full-time, Uh, you need to make sure that they're getting paid so that they can put 100% of their uh, attention to actually building society and supporting vulnerable communities. Absolutely. So um, going back to, you know, my personal experience, it would be Definitely, you know, my parents played a huge part in this, but um, also my personal experiences so it's uh, you know living as an immigrant in New Zealand has been a little difficult of course i'm a, I'm, I'm a citizen now, but um, I think most uh, immigrants and refugees will testify to this and that it is not easy moving from your home country into another country and then uh, establishing a life for yourself. There are a, a upteen number of challenges that you experience mm-hmm. and hopefully. Challenges that you have um, and experience uh, will hopefully go into sort of supporting other people and working to serve people who have been in a similar situation to you. So, right. I uh, right. definitely use these, experience, these experiences, these unfavorable experiences, to hopefully benefit the community through my actions. Um, and so, for a really long time, I worked as a motivational speaker. This was something that I'd not planned. Uh, But it just sort of fell into my lap, this opportunity. And uh, I've been um, sort of uh, taking on this responsibility and um, trying to do my best to it. Uh I've been going to schools and uh, universities and uh, different organizations and companies even just to talk about uh, different issues like bullying, about um, uh, gender inequality, about um, uh, various issues that plague our society today. Uh, In 2014, I got this incredible opportunity to uh, work with an organization called RISE. And they were trying to educate the community in Mumbai about uh, violence against women, which is still a really important topic that needs to be discussed more in in India and all over the world, not just India. Um, And so I got uh, an opportunity to work with them uh, as, as a journalist, if you will. And then, of course, it led to other opportunities um, that were similar in in that sense. So training teachers, for example, in conflict resolution skills. It was Uh not until uh, this year, at the beginning of this year, that I got this incredible opportunity to uh, start my own branch uh, called FFIPP, or FIP Aotearoa. So Aotearoa is the Maori name for New Zealand. And um, so FIP Aotearoa uh, started off at the beginning of this year. But how did it start? It uh, it started originally by a small group of uh, individuals who were really passionate about uh, discussing issues relevant to the Israel-Palestine situation. And of course, the network grew. Um, So we have now branches all across Europe uh, and uh, USA and Brazil and Mm. now even in the ocean region uh, with FIP uh, Aotearoa being the fourth branch so we are the first in the Oceania region and through this organization I've been really trying to develop uh, FIP Aotearoa to uh, create space where um, we can get students or young people be actively involved in in various facets of our society particularly uh, in policy law government. Um, those are spaces that are oftentimes underrepresented. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are a few people, but uh, in the guise of tokenism. So it's really important for me to sort of foster talented, capable individuals who just need a little bit more direction and support and mentoring to get into these spaces and really, in, in a way, disrupt the system and try to create some kind of change. And now right. when I say disrupt the system, I wouldn't want your uh, listeners to feel like this is this is like a violent attack, but more so to sort of uh, acknowledge where things are going wrong and uh, really hold power to account, which is extremely important in these times. So um, we need people who Have been affected by the current policies and laws that are in place to speak up uh, and speak out uh, about how these um, particular policies and laws that are supposed to be helping people are actually harming people. So that's the aim of uh, FIP. Another thing that we want to do is, again, going back to education, which I think has become sort of a common uh, theme in this uh, podcast. It is to educate people about human rights issues. So we want to be as objective as we possibly can mm-hmm. and really and talk about um, the facts as they are on the ground. What is the ground reality of things that are happening in, in the world today? So right. these are the two a- we have and um we are a young organization of about uh five people so uh and we are slowly growing it uh and so that's really nice to see that young people um in and around Aotearoa, and of course overseas as well are getting involved and that makes me really really happy and excited so i'm optimistic about the future
0: that's brilliant shakira i mean i think that's you know you're doing your part and that's um amazing you're an example to other people to um you know the the wanting of just giving and the wanting of um helping out and it's not a huge deal you know many of us make it a huge deal um but you're a great example so thank you so much um and just to wrap things up um if you have any favorite quotes that you just want to throw out there um you know any of your uh uh you know favorite quotes from your childhood or any time that you've read uh uh you know, something that you've come across that you would like to share.
1: Yeah, of course. So there are a couple of quotes that I would like to share if you don't mind. And if you're sure. like, to share. so, um, some of them are by Rumi. So I really like, uh, this particular quote, which highlights, um, recognizing your own inherent potential. Uh, so Rumi says you were born with wings. Why do you prefer to crawl through your life? I really love that quote. Mm. Um, And there's another quote um, by Rumi as well, is what you seek is seeking you. Uh, I I just really admire Rumi's work and definitely for listeners, um, check out his work. Uh, He has some really interesting and important uh, things to share. Another quote, I'm not too sure who said it, but um, I think it was uh, by a man by the name of Quick. And he said, um, trade cleverness for bewilderment and I think that's sort of uh, the mantra that I use nowadays. Uh, so instead of trying to sort of be intelligent or clever, I just keep my mind open and I'm constantly curious um, and I'm constantly learning. So that, these are a couple of quotes that I think um, your listeners will appreciate.
0: That's brilliant, Chiquita. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, for on the show. And um, it, it was amazing to have a, ta- uh, have a conversation with you. It was, it was brilliant. It really uh, helped me learn and engage. Um, and definitely, I feel like a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this podcast. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Soumya. I really, really appreciate this opportunity to speak to your listeners and to you as well. So thank you again.
0: Thanks so much. Bye. Take care. Bye. So this was Chiquita, guys. Um, Let me know if uh, you like this podcast and share if you like it. Thank you so much.